Hi, I'm Jay Thomas, and thanks for listening to Bald Tires, a proud member of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. You've found part two of this episode, which is called The Old Car Doctor. If you missed part one, you can find it wherever you located this podcast. Today, my guest is still Calvin Jensen. He's one of the organizers of the Shifters Club in Saskatoon, and he's a real cool car guy. He's got some great tales for us today that'll keep you laughing. First off, we'll just talk about how we love driving. Calvin's had some spectacular wrecks in the past, some pretty harrowing adventures, and uh, to start things off, he'll keep your sides splitting with some of the shenanigans him and his friends have been up to over the years. Stick around, lots of laughs to come. You're listening to Bald Tires, because when you make great memories, you make bald tires. The Saskatchewan Podcast Network is supported by Conexus. Conexus Credit Union is all about their members. Improving their financial well-being drives everything they do. And that's not just something they say, it's a promise that's delivered by over 900 employees across Saskatchewan. Their employees are members too, and they've been there, so they're committed to making your money work for you. The banking industry needs to change, and Conexus is changing it for everyone, because Conexus cares. Visit Conexus.ca to learn more. The Saskatchewan Podcast Network is also supported by Direct West. Are you a new business owner looking for new avenues to promote your business? Direct West's digital billboards are a great opportunity to highlight a new product, new promotion, or anything else you'd like your customers to know about. You can get local expert marketing help for your business at directwest.com. All right, let's pick things up with Calvin. You, have, you obviously had some fun with some of the cars you had when you were young. Give me some silly shenanigans you got, you and your friends pulled off with some of these cars. Oh, there were so many. So, I used to buy a, a winter beater every year. This I don't think you've heard this one. No. So, I used to buy a winter beater every year, and then the following summer, we would take my winter car, and it would become our recreational vehicle for the for the summer, which meant you need a convertible, right? <laughs> so, five years in a row, my winter cars got converted into convertibles. So. Uh, you know, we'd hack the roof off of them with <laughs> hacksaws and sheet metal cutters and, and hatchets. We used whatever we had. <laughs> and no, literally. And we would hack the roofs off these cars. And uh, and then we would make them, you know, as our cruising vessel for the summer. And uh, the first one we did was actually my, my 74 Vega. My older sister had bought this car and it wasn't a car. It, it was an abomination. It was a, <laughs> it was a Vega, right? But, but I kind of liked it because the seat was sagged out just right and it sat kind of like a sports car, you know? <laughs> and uh, so you'd hunker down in this car and you felt like you were going really fast at speed limit because you're so close to the ground. Anyways, uh, I abused the car. I abused it horribly. I bought it off my sister because it had been vandalized out in front of our house. Both rear quarter panels had been kicked in. And then she refused to drive it because it was just ugly. And, well, I don't know what she thought it was before. but So, we, uh, this was my, just before my 19th birthday. And uh, we got together with a bunch of guys. Um, a bunch of guys that are still around, friends of mine. Some of them that just became friends of mine through this experience. <laughs> and uh, we went to a buddy's garage and I don't know how it came around, but we just decided that it would be a good idea to cut the roof off my car. And I was game, I didn't care. So <laughs> we cut the roof off the car um, and then we piled like, it was this Vega, so we piled six people into it mm -hmm. well they weren't made to carry that kind of payload <laughs> so the back wheels were rubbing in the wheel wells and everything so we figured we had to beef up the suspension so we took some front coil springs from a 66 fair lane and <laughs> it took six guys sitting on the rear corner of the car to compress the spring far enough that we could bolt the shock absorber back on needless to say it had no rear suspension travel whatsoever and with no roof on it being a unibody car and such rigid rear suspension when you'd corner the car would actually twist quite notably <laughs> so uh we thought it would be a good idea to knock the door locks into the doors so you couldn't open them because if you opened the doors it would probably fold 
It was like the doors were, were basically holding the thing together at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Because Vegas weren't known for being particularly uh, <laughs> made of integrity. And then they rusted from there. So <laughs> so we, we pounded the door locks in on the car. So this was the first one. We entered it in a contest, um, Halloween contest, best Halloween costume. <laughs> yeah, it was put on by one of the radio stations back in the day, uh, CKOM maybe, or I don't remember which station it was. And uh, we showed up, six of us, in my my Vega convertible that was painted with like brush and roller and and uh, <laughs> every slogan that was right on the verge of slander and, <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> everything that was just on the verge of offensive. And... Um, we showed up and we won best Halloween costume for six. <laughs> so it was nearly the last hurrah. This was late October. We had won this contest. Um, it was actually, I think it was probably early November and it was quite decent out. And um, we, we had gone over to a friend's place in, um, can't think of the name of the area. Anyways, off Lenore and, and way out in the sticks back then. Now there's a whole bunch of development everywhere yeah. around it. Yeah. But um, so we uh, we were going to go cruising. So we were going to go pick up our buddy uh, who worked at a Texaco station. Imagine Texaco. Yeah. Uh, at Arlington and Preston. Okay. Eastview, Texaco. So I had a slow leak in my tire when we left my friend's place in Lawson, I guess it was. And uh, back then there was still a traffic circle on 8th Street and yeah. long before we got to the traffic circle, my tire was absolutely flat. The tire had, had flayed itself to death <laughs> and there was no tire left whatsoever. The 13 inch rim was now a 10 by 10 inch rim <laughs> because it had flattened the steel out and I was still driving on it. There were. You know, three of us in the car and it's sparks. chucking sparks. And we pulled onto the traffic circle and uh, I look in the rearview mirror and there was a, a police car behind us. And I went, oh, this is probably not good. We got to the next leg of the traffic circle and another one pulled in behind him. And I thought, yeah, I'd better pull into the mall. So went up 8th Street and pulled into the mall at Circle Park there. And the cop gets out, and we're all sitting in the car, smirking, because we know this is going to be kind of humorous. And the cop walks up, and he's about to lean on the windshield pillar, and I said, whoa, don't do that. Why not? I said, it's tacky, and it's not dry. <laughs> and he said, is this, is this car even safe? And I said, well... I, I guess. I mean, everything works on it. And he says, you've got a flat tire. And I said, still? <laughs> so I said, well, we're on our way to Eastview, Texaco. My buddy has a rim and tire there we're going to put on. Well, you don't have a spare? Well, no. Well, anyways, he said, well, get out of the car. So I went to climb out of the car because I'd pounded the door locks in. And he says, why don't you just open the door? And I said, well, it might fold in half. <laughs> he says, well, that doesn't sound safe. And I said, just joking, you can't open the doors. <laughs> so he let us go. Oh, my God, really? On a steel rim. Really? He let us drive, yeah. Because we weren't doing anything blatantly offensive. You weren't losing um, control of the car. No, and, and we weren't being ignorant to him. We weren't... Uh, being combative uh we had good sense of humor and i'm i'm so glad he did and uh so we carried on and and went to the texaco and put a tire and rim on and and then we thought hey we got some fluorescent orange paint so we painted spirals on all of the wheels <laughs> after that in fluorescent orange and yeah so uh that was the first and then after that was just an onslaught of one after another the second one that I did was a 1965 Rambler Classic. That you cut the roof off of. Oh, yeah. It was a two-door post. Uh, kind of a neat car nowadays. 
I bought it off of a fellow on Avenue W South. He wanted $80 for it. $80. And when I went to buy the car, it wouldn't start. And he got so angry that he walked away. And I, I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I still want to buy this car. And mm-hmm. he says, it's a piece of junk. It doesn't even run. And I said, well, just give me a bit here. I'll run over to Westgate Shopping Center. I'll pick up the rest of the cash and I'll come back and I'll buy it. Yeah. Even though it doesn't run. Why doesn't, I'll get it running. I'm not worried about that. I mean, it's sitting here on the street. It got there somehow. Obviously it ran well (laughs) enough to drive to where it is. Yeah. And um, so he says, well, what do you got in your pocket? I said, $40. He says, good enough. So I gave him $40 for the car. I said, "Uh, do you need your plates? He says, nah, just bring them back after you get plates on the car. So these are his plates. So I left and I went to Westgate and I uh, registered the car under my own name. Um, there was a, a licensing issuer there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and while I was there, I stopped at the bank and I got another $40 cash. So I went back to the apartment and I rang the buzzer. And he came down and he says, I'm not taking the car back. And I said, no, no, that's not what this is about. I came to bring you your plates and the rest of the money. And he says, what do you mean the rest of the money? Well, I said, you wanted $80. I think it's fair. I have no problem with that. And he says, what? I said, <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got a young daughter. I mean, his daughter was with him. She was probably five years old or so. I said, take her out for ice cream or something, man. You know, enjoy. Yeah. Hey, I'm getting a fair shake here. And just because you're having a bad day doesn't mean that you have to take the short end of the stick. So I got the car for 80 bucks, which I thought was well more than fair. There's a very convenient thing I did because many years later, he was a very, very large, very, very threatening, very difficult sort of guy. And I was in a, a, a potentially sticky situation where somebody <laughs> wanted me hurt and uh, they brought him to do the dirty work. And when he recognized me, he went, Kelvin. And I said, Harvey. <laughs> and he said, you're the guy I'm supposed to beat up. And I said, I suppose. He says, well, you know where that's going to go. He says, forget it. I'm not doing it. And he walked away. <laughs> so, that, you know, one nice gesture. That and, 40 bucks went a long way. Oh, it did. Boy, did it ever. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And uh, so that car, uh, uh, Confetti Le Club, which is, I don't know what it's now, the bar on Idlewild, I think it's some country bar. Okay. Um, But it was Confetti at the time. I worked there as a bouncer, and I also worked at Jubilee Ford at that time. And uh, Confetti and Jubilee Ford decided to get together and have Saskatoon's ugliest car contest. Okay. Well, I knew I had it. I had it. You know, I I was going to win. But I couldn't enter. Because you worked there. Because I worked at both places. (laughs) And I'm like, this sucks. Because the prizes were great. I mean, rounds of drinks, you know, Mm -hmm. back then, that was kind of cool. There was uh, $1,000 worth of body work at... (sighs) jubilee ford body shop that went a long ways then there were uh records you know vinyl yeah. you know records um like lots of that stuff there were there, oh coolers from the beer companies and there were like all of these prizes that the person with uh, saskatoon's ugliest car won yep not to mention a very prestigious place in the world of wheels car show yes really oh yeah yeah well I have the poster in my garage because I won and it says first annual Saskatoon's ugliest car contest. Cool. Incidentally ended up being the last annual (laughs) because I don't think anybody figured that they had a chance if I was interested in running in the contest. So because, uh, you know, I kind of won that one. So was it, was it the Rambler that won? It was the Rambler convertible. Yeah. We built a a two by two wooden uh, roll bar for it. Um, we, (laughs) yeah, out of two by twos would, um, we, uh, I hacked a hole in the trunk with an ax 
<laughs> and stuck a weld wheel with a sport tire, white letter tire, sticking out of the trunk lid, like kind of like a Continental kit. Um, <laughs> it had uh, under the en- in the engine bay. I mean, we had a 1050 Dominator Holly carb bolted to the hood, um, but under the hood, there wasn't more than three square inches the same color. Every we bought this <laughs> crate of color match from Canadian Tire, all of the outdated and obsolete. And we detailed that engine bay. Detailed, yeah. <laughs> detailed. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, it was a lot of fun. We, You know, we used to call it good, clean fun because we didn't go out drinking. Yeah. And driving. We, uh, we didn't uh, break the traffic laws per se because, frankly, most of my cars were, most of my, my cars were too gutless. Um, but... Uh, you know, we were relatively respectful to the police. Um, actually, we were very respectful to the police because all of us, all of us had such... Uh, and we had a very, very sharp understanding mm-hmm. of the value of our driver's license. Yeah. There wasn't much else in the world at that time when you were young and single and a car guy that carried weight like your driver's license. Mm -hmm. That was your freedom. Yep. That was everything. So to be a completely bad actor all the time was a really poor idea. So we would goof off, you know, uh, it wasn't illegal if you didn't get caught, but we would choose (laughs) our venues carefully. (laughs) Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So, and then from there, it was just one after another of, of convertibles. I think the next one was a, a 64 Dodge 330. And uh, a buddy of mine, <coughs> Ray Holland, no names, uh, <laughs> he uh, said, well, when are we going to cut the roof off this car? And I said, well, I, I don't know. And he says, I want to do it today. So he took my car and he cut the roof off with an arc welder. <laughs> And it actually burnt the wiring in the car so that it wouldn't even run. So I had to go get my car running again. But whatever. That one didn't last very long. We were doing smoke shows in the Super Value parking lot. And by smoke shows, I don't mean the tires. the tires. We were pouring transmission fluid down the carburetor while it was running to see how much of a cloud of smoke we could make. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was frowned on. Hey, we had some fun with that in high school, too. I had a buddy who had a 1982 Chevrolet Citation. Oh, what a peach of a car that was. Mm. And, I mean, this is like 2004. X-Body. X-Body. Mm-hmm. I remember that, and it was well abused by the time he got it, and it was two-toned brown with a blue trunk lid, plenty of rust inside the the headliner was delaminating mm-hmm. oh that was typical and and if you stuck your if you what what happened was his mom would put a bunch of push push pins in it to kind of hold it up yeah but then they would they would eventually kind of fall out and you have to put them back in so we were cruising somewhere i don't know might have been 8th street one night in this piece of shit and the friggin' roof keeps falling down Oh yeah, you that's know. a creepy feeling. Yeah, and, it's, on you and, and, and of course there's no air conditioning in this car, so you got the windows open. It's hot, and, and billowing. It's, yeah, and it's billowing, it's rubbing your head. So I just it had a big bench seat in the front, just a bench. So I grabbed the handle. My buddy's driving, and I slid the seat back, and he's like, "Whoa, what are you doing?" And I lean all the way back, and I grabbed the roof, and I went, and I just ripped the whole thing down. Mm-hmm. But then after that, what it left behind was. This foam that oh. in between, which was kind of cool though, because if you poked it with your finger, it stayed that way. Oh yeah, that was like a roof chalkboard. So this was known as the shit box around high school. That's what the what it, the name it earned itself. But there was messages in the roof and all kinds of uh, pictures drawn in the roof and and uh, oh man, I had a little a little eighty one Honda Civic was my first car. And we used to uh, have acceleration contests. How about we put it that way? Uh-huh. Yeah, well, two piece of shit cars. Clash of the Titans. Clash of the Titans, yeah. 
and his 2.8 V6 with a three-speed automatic, and one my my 1.3 four-cylinder with a five-speed manual. And I just remember every, every, nothing he could do. He just couldn't keep up. It just and that citation would like it had it just had attack. There was or not not attack. It just had a speedometer. But it was lazy. It just kind of floated around. No tack. We had no idea what the engine was doing. But he planted his right foot, a little brake torque, and uh, I just remember it would just scream bloody murder, and then slam, <laughs> slam into second gear. But I was already long gone. Like it was, it wasn't so, even a contest. So you're slacking the Citation, the mighty X body. Uh, you know what? I never owned one. But <laughs> one thing about them that a lot of people aren't aware of is that they were uh, a remarkable car if you knew what you were getting because you could get a Citation X11. I've heard of them. Okay. Yep. And a Citation X11 was, to my knowledge, the first port injected. Really? performance GM car huh. other than possibly a Grand National Buick which would have been about the same era yep uh, the Citation X11 came with um, uh, a 2.8 liter V6 mm -hmm. which actually I'm kind of fond of those engines um, but they were a, a port injected system that had uh, a, a really nifty looking induction system on them hmm. actually uh, quite a lot like the long rams on my Chrysler uh, and so later on, a few years later, they put those engines into Camaros. And they were actually called a 2.8 HO. Now, huh. I don't know if that was because it was like a hoe or if it was because <laughs> it was high output. But it was, I mean, they, they put that HO after 305 on one engine, but I <laughs> didn't get that either. Um, but they were actually quite a snotty engine. Really? Uh, the the engine that came in the X11s and in the the Camaros and Firebirds, uh, 2.8 multi-port injected, mm. same as they put in the back of the Fiero GTs mm -hmm. and stuff, and they were fairly impressive. Um, I swapped one of those into a '64 Rambler American, the green car that you yep. probably saw shortly after we first met, um, and that was a 2.8 multi-port out of an '86 Camaro, and. Uh, and then uh, with a 700R4 and a Ford 80-inch rear end. And it was remarkable. That thing would get 34 miles per gallon on the highway. And because of the, the 700R4 mm -hmm. with the fairly low first gear, it would get out of its own way. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I turbocharged it. Cool. And then it was a handful. It was actually, <laughs> it was a remarkably snotty car. Um, course liquid propane injection and the like because <laughs> the stock calibration didn't allow for a whole lot of ad fuel but uh, but it worked really well and then after blowing it up violently blowing up the head gaskets I put a 3.1 into it out of a 92 Firebird and a bigger turbocharger and 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 then I decided no I'm gonna work on the Chevelle time to get rid of the Rambler so I dumbed it down and got rid of all of my whizzy innovations and and put a carbureted five liter ford into it and it actually turned out to be pretty remarkable that <laughs> yeah. way it was a very neat little car which incidentally ended up in oshawa ontario of all places okay hmm. favorite car i know you've had 289 is that the number yep favorite one okay let me, how about this the one that got away that you really wish hadn't I have no regrets. No? No, I don't. Um, I Yeah, it, there are some that I wish I still had, but not in not in term of regret where it's, you know, something that bothers me okay. or anything. Um, so then so what was, what was make, your favorite then? We make, uh, we make decisions based on our information that we have right there and then and on our best judgments, and I like to look at everything in life that way. Um, you don't, uh, you, you can't go back. No. Right. So to live in the past, uh, just makes you unhappy. Mm -hmm. Um, there were some unfortunate situations, some that weren't made on, that weren't 
a decision. Um, some that got wrecked in fairly catastrophic car accidents and stuff, um, which is, a, you know, they're kind of a shame. Uh, my first 67 big block Chevelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, six, four speed, bench seat, uh, marina blue, black vinyl top, um, black vinyl interior, but cool. bench seat, four speed. Um, I, I fought for that car for years and years and years. I tried to get that car. And when I finally did get the car, I had it for 20 days. <laughs> and I got T-boned by a three-quarter ton Dodge truck. Real hard. Really? And completely destroyed the car. Yeah. Um, that one, I kind of wish that I had been able to to keep that one but I probably wouldn't have uh, but as I matured and looked for another I found one and now 26 years later it's getting close to being a car again yeah so yeah that's right but that's that's what kind of because I I owned that 67 Malibu with the 283 the 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 one that I bought when I took the choice of six cars you know the the Cougar or the Charger or yeah. the Chevelle, and uh, I owned that one when I did get this uh, this '67 SS, and when it got wrecked, I decided that I'd find another eventually, and so I did, 26 years ago. Yep. And took it apart because I knew that if I put it together then, mm -hmm. I'd never finish the car the way that it should be. And I'd end up getting rid of it out of frustration or, you know, whatever. Yep. So I still have it because I chose to take it apart and make it completely non-functional <laughs> until I could do it right. Yeah. So. You've had, uh, if I can ask you, you've had some pretty spectacular crashes in your history, history too. Yeah. You told yep. me you told me the story of one that uh, you walked away from that really should you shouldn't have. Well, and that's. Actually, there were there were two that catastrophic. Um, the first one was the '67 Big Block Chevelle, where I got hit so hard by this three-quarter ton Dodge. Now, you know, it always amazed me to think what happens in a in a fraction of a second. Yeah, and we don't even realize what all happens in that fraction of a second, unless you have the the wherewithal to to look at the the forensics of it, as it were. <laughs> um, that Chevelle, when it got smashed, uh, it had a, a Hurst Competition Plus shifter with a T-handle. Yep. Now, on initial impact, I kind of flew forward and uh, broke the rear view mirror off of its bracket with my head <laughs> and uh, punched a hole about eight inches long and about four inches wide in the, or four inches tall and eight inches wide in the windshield and the rear view mirror was lying in the engine bay. The hood was torn off the car and was three houses down the street in the oh. direction the truck was going. Um, the car, well, no, the hood was further than that. The car was three houses down in the direction he was going. Mm -hmm. I was doing about 15 miles per hour. And he was doing, they estimated about 70 mile an hour. Holy cow. And this was in the city. So um, after punching the mirror through the windshield, I hit the T-handle with my hip because the seatbelt, although it was latched, tore off. Oh, really? So it was still latched. And uh, the T-handle got caught above my hip and uh, did some damage to stomach muscles and, you know, and bent the shifter over 90 degrees <laughs> and it stayed there and i hit the passenger window and smashed it out with my head and hit the side of his truck um he went through somebody's living room wall <laughs> and was parked no. in their living room more or less and my car when all came to rest was three houses down in the direction he was going wow um but in all of that uh i wore cowboy boots at the time just because I found them comfortable and uh, as I was torn from the passenger driver's seat um, it cut arteries in my ankles oh gosh 
without severing the without cutting through the boots yeah and uh, and it broke three ribs cracked two vertebrae in my back uh, two in my neck whoa dislocated both of my shoulders and I was in shock so I didn't realize this and I I was loading water heaters and plumbing parts and stuff because it was a plumbing and heating truck that had hit me and I was just physically throwing water heaters back in the back of this guy's truck as he's parked in this person's living room just to get this stuff off the street because there were little brass elbows and fittings scattered over the whole intersection yeah and, sure uh, and I was still conscious and he was unconscious so um, when the cops arrived they wanted a statement and I was a punk and because uh, <laughs> I had longish hair and you know I was driving a muscle car and you know so they uh they crammed me into the back of a malibu cop car oh no those little g body was still an a body back then but a g body malibu Mm -hmm. and uh and it had the silent patrolman in it the aluminum panel and everything and and uh i didn't realize but when i got to get out of the car i noticed the blood on the aluminum panel and i looked down and i had blood dripping off the cuff of my pants uh, because my boots had filled with blood. Oh my gosh. And I was kind of woozy. I didn't know why. I thought, well, yeah, you hit your head on the mirror and you smashed a window out of your car. You're probably woozy because of that. Uh huh. But when it was actually kind of from blood loss. So I had asked for an ambulance and they said, ask the tow truck driver and they drove away. Because I guess I seemed fairly coherent. I didn't think that they, they must have felt that I didn't need an ambulance. Uh, so I asked the tow truck driver, and after he hurled, because he noticed all the blood, uh, he drove off rather rapidly and left <laughs> me walking. Oh, my gosh. So I got about three blocks from City Hospital walking my gosh. from the north end, and I passed out from blood loss more or less passed out. I couldn't stand up anymore. So I was lying on the grass somewhere between King Street and Queen Street. Yep. And uh, a total stranger pulled up in a brand new car. I remember the car. It was a, because I'm a car guy. It was a brown and tan Pontiac Grand Prix. Yep. It was a brand new car. Fancy. Two-door. Uh-huh. Nice car. And never seen this guy before in my life. And big guy, he pulled up and he came over and he said, are you okay? And I don't remember if I could even respond. Probably some mumbled. "Uh, uh, uh." (laughs) Um, And he grabbed a whole bunch of dry cleaning bags, those thin cellophane kind of bags, really thin plastic bags, and lined the whole passenger side of his brand new car with these plastic things and stuffed me into his car and drove me into the the city hospital emergency used to be like a little carport kind of yep, a thing yep and he pulled me out of the car and ran through those automatic doors with me in his arms screaming get a doctor this guy needs help you're also like six foot two. Oh yeah well at the time i was six well four foot 28 and a half six four and a half <laughs> six four and a half and 270 so what was he like a linebacker he was a very stout guy. Wow. Okay. Um, but I didn't know who he was. And he was gone when they were done with me and released me from the hospital after stitching up my ankles and, and uh, observing me for a while. So a number of years later, uh, I was out for coffee with a friend. And a friend of his walked in and... Uh, I had a another big block Chevelle, a 68 SS 396, mm-hmm. and uh, it was sitting outside the coffee shop, and this guy pulled up in, a, in an orange Trans Am, 455 on the shaker, four-speed car, mm-hmm. and uh, we got talking, and he said, uh, so whose Chevelle is that? And I said, oh, that's mine. And uh, he says, well, we should go out for a, a dig. I'll show you, you know, what a real car can do. <laughs> So we went out 11th Street. There was brand new asphalt out there. Mm-hmm. Brand new greasy asphalt. I beat him so bad. Oh. 
<laughs> one of my old ignorant tricks. It was kind of mean-spirited, but it was fun. When I got far enough ahead, I would just put on the signal light and change lanes in front of them just to say, ha, there, <laughs> right? Anyways, I beat him time and again, and I think three times we tried, and I beat him every time. And uh, he, uh, he didn't take well to it. He, he said uh, something about, well, my car's not running properly. Well, yeah, I don't think so. I think it was running just fine. My car was rather fast. So we went, we went for coffee again afterwards, after this race. And uh, he said, yeah, big block Chevelles. He says, you know, he says, uh, funny thing happened years ago. He says, I've always been a real fan of 67 big block Chevelles. He said, and you know, he says, I, I was driving down 7th Avenue and there was this guy like virtually passed out from blood loss on the side of the street. <laughs> and, and I picked him up and I took him to the hospital and he was mumbling something about his 67 big block Chevelle. And after I dropped him off, I was on my way home and I saw a tow truck go by with a blue 67, Marina blue 67 SS Chevelle on the cable because it couldn't be towed. It was actually like cabled to the back of the tow truck. Yeah. And, um, and I assumed that was his car. And I said, well, I said, so, and you gave the guy a ride to the hospital? He says, yep, I hope he made it. He says, I don't know. I mean, he was pretty rough. And I said, well, thank you. <laughs> and that's when I found out who it was that had more than likely saved my life. That's crazy. So I used to play this dirty trick on him all the time. So... <laughs> I'd walk into a restaurant because I, I always had a day job working at dealerships or whatever. And evenings, I delivered food. Okay. For 19 years, I had a full-time day job and I delivered food. And I delivered for a number of different restaurants. I just loved driving. That's what it was about. It was about driving, yeah, you yeah. know? And Honda Civics and, and little beaters that I'd pay 75 bucks for. And, and I'd drive the wheels off them delivering food. And it was just, it was awesome. Hey, fastest car around the corner is a delivery van, delivery oh, car, right? Cheapers, yeah. Drive it like a rented mule. <laughs> and so uh, whenever I'd pull up to a restaurant and I'd walk in to get an order and I would see him and his wife in the restaurant, <laughs> I would pay for their meal and leave. <laughs> And yeah. I bet you it happened 25 times no. over the course of 30 years. Wow. Yeah. And uh, the last time that I was lucky enough to see him, his health was really poor. Mm. And uh, he was in a wheelchair. And he was an avid car nut. He really was a car guy. Um, and uh, I used to see him roughly once a year when he felt well enough because he would always be at the Dragon's Rod and Custom Show. Yeah. So I, I hoped that I would be there at the time that he was. I usually volunteered at the show, so I was there a lot of the weekend. But um, So the last time that I saw him, him and his wife, and uh, I said to his wife, I said, uh, and, and she knew that we were friends. She knew my name, but we never hung out. We just, whenever we saw each other, we, you know, and... Uh, she said, so how is it you know Wayne? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, he saved my life. And what did she say? She said, she thought I was joking. And she said, uh, I've never heard this story. And I said, no, literally. Yep. He saved my life. How? And I said, well... He picked me up and took me to the hospital when he saw me lying on the side of the road after a catastrophic car accident. And she said, you're the guy. Uh -huh. I said, yeah, I'm the guy. I said, so in case you ever wondered why it was that your bill was paid for at restaurants when you'd go to pay for supper, I'm the guy. <laughs> <laughs> and she was a little surprised. But that was the last time I got to see him alive. How, how long ago was that, do you think? Five years. Five years? Yeah. That's a pretty cool story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was a car guy. He had lots of cool stuff. So that was your big accident. Was there another gigantic one, too? Oh, yes. Yes? Oh, yeah. 
another really another really bad one um, <laughs> my son my son was uh, old enough to get his license but not in any hurry and so he uh, it's Brian Johnson's wife oh. <laughs> Uh, so he, uh, he needed a car. Yep. So I found this sweet little Buick. Um, it was the, the, the Buick version of the, of the Cavalier. Little Skylark? Uh, no, it wasn't a Skylark. Uh, Skylark was more like the Citation kind of a body style. Um, I can't remember what it was. Or, no, pardon me. No, not a Buick. It was an Olds Omega. Oh, okay. Okay. The little uh, Cavalier-sized mm-hmm. hatchbacky thing. Two-door. And it had low miles on it. Very low miles. Uh, body was very nice condition. I won't say nice shape because they weren't attractive. <laughs> but it was in good condition. But the powertrain was toast. So I found an engine at a wrecker, and I put it in, and I got this car running. And it was actually... A remarkably decent car to drive. It yeah. was nice and solid, and it was a good little car. And uh, and I was shaking it down, making sure that it's going to be a good car. I'd put the engine in the week before, and and I drove it to work. I was working up in the south industrial area. And uh, so on my way home that day, I was driving down Lorne Avenue, and turned at Adelaide or whatever to get on to the uh, entrance onto Idlewild. And I was behind a 1955 Chev four-door sedan. Cool. And uh, there were these two gals in the car, uh, would have been a few years older than I, a few, well, probably a decade or better older than I. And this car was like all original looking, 55 Chev down to the hubcaps and, you know, and uh, they were driving about 30 to 40 kilometers an hour <laughs> on the ramp where you're supposed to be accelerating to 90 kilometers uh-huh. an hour to get into traffic. So there was nothing I could do about that other than wait until there was room for me to get into the other lane and then accelerate up to speed. So I did. I waited. I got in the left lane, got up to 90 kilometers an hour slowed down to 70 as I came across the bridge and I'm heading down towards 20th Street. And I was, I got stopped behind a long line of traffic. I wasn't far enough up the line because the line was quite long that I could get into the left turn lane. Yeah. The right turn lane, they were vehicles still pulling up into the right lane because the light was red at 20th. And, uh, and I just thought, what a great time to light a cigarette. So I'm sitting there at the light behind this long line of traffic. And I lit a cigarette and I looked in the rearview mirror and realized that these two old gals were coming over that last rise Uh down towards 20th Street, Uh talking. They're looking at each other, talking, not looking at the road, drifting into my lane Uh at 70-ish kilometers an hour. And I thought I had lots of time to think that whole split second. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yikes, I can't get in the left-hand lane. I'm not up to the turn lane. If I get out of my door, now I'm between the car and the guardrail and a straight drop-off down towards... The river. Well, in that case, it would have been 19th Street or whatever was Old there. Oh, door past right the time, near, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought, okay, not a good decision there. I can't get in the right-hand lane. The cars are pulling up. Okay, best thing to do... So I put my head back against the headrest of the car. High back seats. Mm -hmm. Cigarette in my mouth. Arms crossed in front of me. And feet planted both heavily on the brake pedal. Just waiting for the impact. And she hit me. And she hit me very hard. And drove me into the back of a Jeep Cherokee. That was driven into the back of a Honda Civic. That was driven into the back of a Chev Half-Ton. And... uh, when all came to rest, the back of my poor little Olds Omega was sitting on the hood of the 55 Chev. Oh, no. And the front of the car was a foot shorter because it had submarined under the bumper of the Jeep. Yeah. The back end of the car, it had been hit so hard that it 
actually exploded the Space Saver Spare. <laughs> uh, it blew every piece of glass out of my car. Wow. Uh, the rear hatch glass, the side quarter windows, the door glasses, the windshield, all blown out of the car on impact. Um, the car folded severely. Um, even the little glass panels on the rear quarter behind the door that were just a trim piece yep. that were actually backed by metal mm -hmm. were broken. Holy cow. It rippled that car hard. And I remembered back to after that accident in the 67 Chevelle and they had told me that if I was ever in an accident like that again, I likely wouldn't walk because of the injury to my neck. So I sat there for a few seconds and I thought, well, this could be it. And I wheeled my toes and they still moved and I moved my fingers and I was pretty happy. And I thought, you know, there's a very good chance I'm gonna walk away from this. Wow. And I climbed out the window of the car. And then I thought, I just lit this cigarette. Why is it out? So I went and looked back in the car <laughs> and there was a skid mark from the cherry of the cigarette right from the driver's seat to the hatch of the car. So on impact, with my seatbelt on, I had gone over the high back bucket seat right to the hatch. Whoa. And back into the seat where I came to rest and didn't realize that I had been that mobile in this accident. Holy cow. The end result of that was uh, two more cracked vertebrae in my neck. Oh my gosh. Um, but I was still able to walk. I'm, I'm very blessed. I'm very happy. <laughs> no kidding. That I can still, you know, pain is a relative thing. You don't really think of it. It just kind of, you do what you gotta do, right? I, I've always said, um, I don't want anything to get in the way of what I wanna do. So I can't very well let it get in the way of the, what I have to do. Yep. So as long as I'm willing to to power through and, and do the crazy stuff that I want to do, the working on these old cars that I love working on, mm -hmm. uh, working on my own cars, uh, playing with my grandkids, um, goofing off with my kids when they were young. These were all things that, that I really wanted to do. And there was no amount of pain or injury that was going to stop me from that. So it certainly didn't stop me from going to work and doing my job. Yep. You know, so I've had this, uh, this absolutely, uh, unbelievably charmed and wonderful life. Um, no life is perfect. No, there are always complications and, and, uh, and problems and little situations that come up, but in the grand scheme of things, um, the most catastrophic or most uh, uh, disconcerting thing at the time, um, two months or two years or whatever down the road, um, that's long gone. Mm-hmm. That's over. Yep. And I've had it. I've had an awesome life, and I, and I'm looking forward to another, you know, forty-ish years so that I can retire. Um, <laughs> And it's going to be a great 40 ish years. It's going to be a great ride. I'm going to enjoy it. Before we wrap things up, what's uh, you got? You've got the another '67 Chevelle now, yes. right? Yeah. And that's that's getting just about just about ready for the road, isn't it? Well, it'll be a few years yet. Um, I got to fix lots of cars between now and then because I can't really afford the paint job. Everybody knows that's expensive. <laughs> yeah, that is. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's, it's well on its way. It's probably about 70%. Um, and then I, you know, because I'm my own worst enemy, I took on another one um, for Rochelle, a 67 Beaumont. Yeah. So they're twins. They're uh, cousins, as it were, not twins. Um, and that one is another... Uh, well, 327 four-barrel four-speed bucket console. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be a, a, a neat pair to have around. So Yeah, no doubt. That's pretty cool. So you've got a traffic bridge story, too? Uh, we were out on a night of debauchery and ridiculousness. Again, actually good, clean fun. Um, we None of us really uh, had any interest in drinking and driving. So when we went out and did these, these crazy things, we were under the influence of nothing but youthful exuberance, um, which people thought was really peculiar. 
Uh, Adrenaline and testosterone? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, so we, <laughs> one particular night, it was a, a beautiful, beautiful winter night. This was in, uh, in early January. And, uh, and it was, it was like right on the verge of, of freezing temperature, maybe, maybe minus two, mm -hmm. you know, it was just so nice. Uh, I remember that it was very difficult, uh, apparently tobogganing was difficult because the, the, the hill was melting, you know, oh, and yeah. stuff. So, yep. um, so anyways, a bunch of us got together and we were out goofing off what we call creative driving. And, uh, <laughs> So, I mean, you know, the roads were really icy after dark because everything would freeze up again and, and Creative park driving. and, you know, I mean, you know, you could have lots of fun um, on the fringe of the law. But, you know, it was good, clean fun. <laughs> That's right. So uh, we ended up down by uh, down by the Victoria Bridge, the traffic bridge. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it had incandescent Christmas, Christmas lamps the colored yellow and red and blue and green bulbs that were roughly the size of the old, I don't know if you know what the old oven light bulbs yeah. used to be, you know, inch and a quarter diameter the, round incandescent. The bulbs. old in old school Christmas lights. Well, but these were actually just a round globe light. Oh, oh yeah. 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 And, uh, and we were skulking around acting like fools because we did it so well. <laughs> and Ray decided that he wanted to get some of these bulbs. So he, climbed the the bridge i i mean i i was afraid of heights there's no way you'd catch me doing that but we were it was the middle of the night there's nobody around so uh he's pulling bulbs out of the out of the fixtures and out of the sockets and throwing them down to us on the bridge and uh yeah it was it was stuff like that that we used to do just uh and get away with that was the trick it was the getting away with but we really didn't get into a lot of trouble. We weren't, um, we, well, we were fortunate, mm -hmm. but when we did get caught, we would just fess up right away. Yep. We did that. Yeah. It was stupid. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if you got to give us a ticket, give us a ticket. You usually got a finger wagging and you're wasting our time and, you know, go home now kind of a thing. So <laughs> we used to take my first car and uh, a friend of ours worked at a sub shop. I can't remember which one it was over in Sutherland. And you take a couple of old baking sheets and my front wheel drive car and you park the back wheels on the baking sheets and put the parking brake on. And you got skis, man. Oh. And it's front wheel drive. So then, I mean, you never could do donuts with a front wheel drive car, but you can now because oh. she swings around practically uncontrollably at that point we used to go out to the north end uh um friend of ours had a uh, an impala 73 impala 72 73 and uh we would take an old chevy hood and uh chain it to the back of his car <laughs> and we had welded a, a fiberglass desk chair like a school desk chair to the hood and we would see who had the nerve to sit on it long enough traveling through the north end and uh man there were some how we lived through it i was I'm gonna say entirely sure nobody ever got hurt not to say nobody got hurt <laughs> not not mortally wounded you know but uh yeah there was there was some it was foolishness but it was fun it didn't harm anything it didn't hurt anybody else it was uh well and that's you know, that's why we kept doing stuff like that. I think you're right, though, what you talked about in the beginning, though, where, where you said, <laughs> you know, the your your license when you were 16 at that time, you know, was just, it meant everything. That was gold. Yeah. To this day, though, I still feel the same way. Um, for all of the shenanigans and, and all of the foolishness and all of the misguided ideas and poor judgment. Um, all of it worked out relatively well because none of us were horribly disfigured or, uh, or, you know, uh, seriously hurt in maimed in, in doing our, our stupid stuff. Um, so, but driving has always been the the thing that has been, you know, I mean, I, I used to, uh, when things would get stressful in life, I would get in my car or on one of my motorcycles and I would just 
go and yep. I would go and I would I would drive uh, some part of town that I'd never been to before and just just roll around the streets nice and easy yep just just window open radio going and and just put it all behind me you know I think that's also one of the reasons that a lot of car car guys car gals car people like there's still a, there's still a a passion for a manual transmission mm-hmm. because it's not to me it's not about going f- the fastest because now the fastest is not an, a manual transmission no. it's faster automatics and all the other fancy oh, yeah. stuff right no it's about the like the the feeling of driving yes and what engages you more but a manual transmission you have to mean it yeah you got to mean it you can't it just won't do it itself no you you have to intentionally be there to make that car do whatever it is you're asking of it it's uh you know i mean i i could creep around and drive like grandpa now because i am one but <laughs> i've done that for a long time um the odd time i'll goof off but most people don't witness it much <laughs> um but i just love driving i i love just getting in the car and uh you know, go down some forgotten highway, mm-hmm. uh, an old secondary highway that's starting to break up at the shoulders or um, uh, just just go, you know, and see something I haven't seen before. Um, pull over and stop at a at a historic point of interest um, or, uh, you know, I did that again the other day. I was on my way out to a job out towards Pike Lake and there's a little historic point of interest mm-hmm. i don't know if you're have you seen that one i think so yeah the the bone trail oh i heard of that yeah but i've never never gone yeah and i pulled in there the other day i'd seen it i'd seen it and i'd seen it and i was always in a hurry to where i was supposed to be and and you know i thought well they can wait an extra couple minutes and i pulled in there and i read the thing and it's interesting it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And you, if you look just through the fence, you can see the remains of the bones from the, the meat processing plant. And they had put down these bones as to mark a trail. Oh, really? To get from one place to the next, you know? Huh. And, uh, yeah, and it's, it's, there's still some evidence of it there. I, 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 think, I think the driving thing, though, you know, liking driving that much, and I do, I'm the same way, is one of the reasons why I want to go on Route 66 so bad, too. Yeah. Like, I haven't done it yet. Yeah. And I t- I've met some people recently who have. Yeah. And I'm like, Cher, what's it like? What's it, you know, what's it about? And, you know, and, and I think it's just that, that for the sheer enjoyment of just driving that historic highway. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I don't want to drive it in three days. No, no. You know? No. Like, like I want to drive, like, maybe 60 or 80 miles a day in total. Okay. Just go from this place to this place and stop at each of them and check it all out. So my my dream, and this is just exactly what you're talking about. Um, Rochelle and I have talked about this many times. I'd love to be in a position once the Chevelle is done. Yep. Because it, it's being, uh, I'm building it pretty much to exactly the way it was in 1967, where it'll just be a driving car. Sure, mm-hmm. you'll be able to light the tires up if you want, but... It'll just drive like a normal car. And I would like to leave on a two-week holiday and drive to Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. where it starts. Yep. And drive Route 66 and stop and look at the biggest ball of yarn (laughs) and check out the greasiest little canteen uh, greasy spoon. Yep. And stop in the little motels along the way Mm -hmm. and take the road less traveled and drive as much of the old original road as possible Mm -hmm. down route 66 and and do it with friends get as many cars together as you can wouldn't that be great that era and drive until somebody's tired of it and it's time to go home yep and then go home yep and then go back in a few years and pick up where you left off and end up in chicago yeah that yeah. is one of my dreams. So we, when you say that, it's like, oh yeah, that's exactly every stupid little tourist trap yep. along the way. Mm-hmm. Stop in every one of them and, and buy some 
something from it. Yeah, you know, and the greasy burgers oh. and the. I've got a yeah. couple of books that actually have guides to Route 66, and they I've even got those. they even talk about the like all the food stops you can. Oh. There's Drew's frozen custard somewhere somewhere closer to the east coast, but that's been around ever since you know the heyday of route 66 and they're still mm-hmm. selling and making the same stuff they always did like yep. i want to try all of that i want to see all of it oh yeah yeah another dream uh, cruise of mine is starting from vancouver and then taking the the west coast california highway yes all the way down oh because there's that 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 coastal highway that runs the entire you know length of yeah. the u.s yeah. basically yeah and right along the side of the ocean that that seems like a pretty good drive to me that would be a pretty cool drive yeah too. yeah one of those yeah. you know and i think uh i i made the misjudgment at one point of saying to rochelle that one of these years we're just going to hop in the chrysler and we're going to drive to visit my parents in abbotsford and uh, apparently she's <laughs> gonna hold me to it <laughs> yeah it's good um you know i mean it's stuff like that that the only problem with that is taking the time to do it yeah. now. I mean, uh, you know, it's difficult to take that time. Well, when we, the world is so busy that we live in yeah, now. There's yeah. so much going on, you know, and it only seems to be getting faster. It, it's not, you know, I grew up not that long ago, I'll admit, you know. I, not I mean, like I, me. No. I was invented before dirt. Exactly. But even my family, when I was a kid, we did Sunday drives. Mm-hmm. You know, not all my friends did. The odd one did, but my family still did Sunday drives. You get in the car. Where are we going? I don't know. Don't we're, going, know. we're going down this highway to see what's down here. Oh, there's a development over, you know, a new area. Yeah. Didn't always have to be an hour. It was sometimes wasn't even an hour, you oh, know. But we, we used to go, and this is something that's a dying art too. We used to get in the car on a Sunday and we would go for a drive and we would end up at my uncles and aunts or we would end up at you know somebody's place that and we would just pull up the driveway and walk in show Hi. up show up show up yeah nobody does that no you know nobody does that anymore no you got to be planned and everything is so planned and, and everything is so busy and everything is so preordained and and back then it was just I remember there was hardly anything more exciting to me than when somebody would just stop in. They'd just stop in at the house. And you could have a, a short visit or it would end up being a whole evening. Yep. And, yeah, you know, it's just no different than I'm sure you used to travel as a kid or, or whatever and go to a place and not have a hotel booked yet. Hmm. Do you remember that? Remember, like, the no vacancy sign on a hotel is completely useless these days. Because we never stayed in hotels. Nobody did that. We never stayed in hotels. No? No. Um, if Dad got too tired, we would sleep in the station wagon. <laughs> okay. uh, if we got too tired, we would sleep in the station wagon and Dad would drive. Right, right. Seatbelts weren't the law back then. It wasn't important. We'd be sprawled out on the back package tray of the car. We'd be, you know, there were five of us kids in the family, you know. Um, yeah, we would, We. I remember one Christmas, and I will never, ever, I'll never forget this. It was one of my fondest memories. My grandparents, my mom's parents, lived in Waldheim. And uh, we would go out there for Christmas, and Waldheim seemed forever away. <laughs> it was so far away. Yeah, you right. Know? And, uh... We had a 1966 Biscayne station wagon. And I remember going out there. It was bitterly cold. It was Christmas, you know. And we had a wonderful time with our cousins and our grandparents. And everything was just perfect, you know. And, uh, but it was quite late when we were leaving. And so we had brought along blankets. And we were all sprawled out in the back of the wagon with the seats folded down in sleeping bags and blankets and we slept all the way home <laughs> and i just remember you know uh i'd wake up for a split second and and i'd see uh you know the the lights of of saskatoon going past as we were driving through town because mm-hmm. we lived on an acreage out west of town and so it was uh it was just a wonderful memory you know that traveling and the freedom and the you know 
and the family. And we did we did lots of road trips. I had grandparents that lived in Cudworth, Saskatchewan, and, and left from Saskatoon to visit them kind of almost every, I don't know, probably second or third weekend, you know, when I was mm-hmm. a kid. And I do remember there was the odd time. You ever have a sleep in a car where you have a slow blink and the whole trip is gone? Oh, yeah. I love that now, actually. It doesn't feel like you've even slept. Yeah. It's it's like you just missed something for a second. I think it's actually time travel. We're fooling ourselves. <laughs> we actually didn't really go anywhere. Yeah. It was actually just that we were teleported through time. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, like I I uh, I think the art of the of the road trip has got to come back. And one of these days, I, I haven't had the guts to do it yet. But have you ever just hung up a map and thrown a dart? And saying that's road where we're going. Roadkill. Yeah, like. Have you seen Roadkill? Yes, I love oh, okay. Roadkill. Yes. Please make it not Mexico. Not Mexico. <laughs> not Mexico. <laughs> yeah. But wouldn't that be fun to do? Oh. Just to have your bags packed and just leave. It would be. Yeah, it would be kind of cool. I don't know. I've never done it yet, but. We we sort of did that. Uh, not not quite like that, but when we got the Beaumont. So, uh, my friend picked it up out near Herbert, and. Uh, he says, so do you want the car or am I taking it to Moose Jaw? And I said, well, I was actually on my way out there to look at it, but he got it loaded up and everything before we got anywhere near there. I think actually we only got as far as Lorburn. <laughs> we met him in Lorburn. It was just, we were taking sidetracks and secondary highways all over the place, just, just looking at the countryside on the way out. It was just a kind of a aimless drive. Yep. And we met him at Lorburn. I have a picture of us there, with the car on the trailer and stuff. And yeah, it was a it was a wonderful day. Great day. <laughs> I gotta I gotta do that more sometimes. Just go yeah. for a pick a spot and go for a drive just to go explore. Yeah, some slow things down. Some place you've heard of, some place you haven't seen. You know, there are some really remarkable places in Saskatchewan. Things like uh, like. Um, uh, what is it? The Great Sand Hills. Yeah. Uh, um, I've seen part, a, a little bit of it. I just in passing. I didn't take the time to really soak it up. Um, uh, what's that park down south that? Um, the Badlands and stuff, right? Well, this this particular one. Uh, it's a um, oh goodness, I can't remember what it's called. What it's an advocate, hey? Cypress. Cypress Hills. Yeah. Unreal. Have you ever been there? Yeah, it's incredible. It's like, where am I? Uh-huh. Am I actually in Saskatchewan? I know. Unbelievable. It's like getting out of here. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, that's uh, been fantastic. All the fun stories and the cool stories. And thanks, Kelvin, for coming on with me. It's been, it's been a great. It's been awesome. Hey, no we'll, we'll have to do some more because I know there's, there's only endless stories with you because oh. that was just a snippet, right? That, that was a snapshot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you know... The older we get, the better we were, you know? Um, <laughs> That's right. So the I taller the tails get. I won't promise that there'll be no embellishment. <laughs> but, uh, no, I've, I've had some excellent experience and, and so much fun in life. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you for listening to Bald Tires. Of course, don't forget to like and subscribe. We are a proud member of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network, so, of course, you can find more podcasts through that network as well. We'll have another episode next week. See you then. I'm Jay Thomas. Thanks for listening to Bald Tires.